Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, subscribe. Please subscribe. Uh, tell somebody that you listen to Lame Stream Sports, and they should too. And if you like the show, like, like so much, like V-Love, our main man V-Love, the way he loves the show, shout out. Please nominate us for every award possible. Don't don't hesitate to nominate us. We will not self-nominate, but if you would like to nominate us for whatever it is that you think we deserve, just just go ahead. Go go ahead. Thank you, Below, for your support and for listening. Uh, we do appreciate it. Kayla Anderson, our guest on the show today. Long time. We've had her on the show before to talk about her television career. She's bounced around all over the United States worked in so many different ways in, in television and was looking for a change to get out of television uh, for a variety of reasons and is now hosting the morning show with Will Bowling, Ramon Foster on 104.5 The Zone. And so we had a long conversation about her career transition, which is a fairly large one for a sports anchor on television to move into sp sports talk radio host. Um, I had, in the interest of full disclosure, her and I had talked a lot about the transition for her before and just understanding the different mediums. And I'm glad she sort of explained all the different thought processes through, uh, through this experience for her. So really interesting conversation with Kayla Anderson coming up. Some interesting TV ratings that I think as a, as a local radio host, I have struggled long, a, a long time with what does this market care the most about? Got some TV ratings that may give us <laughs> some indications about this. So we'll talk about that afterward as well. You've got some recommendations on how we should be watching the Preds and the Grizzlies, potentially. Uh, so we'll talk about that um, and what Bally Sports is doing to us and our brains. But before we do any of that, I, I want to get your thoughts on all of the stuff that's unfolded this week with the fairgrounds racing's future in downtown Nashville and all the things that are happening at that track. So I want to get your thoughts on that in just a second. However, before we do, Lane Stream Sports is a podcast for Quarter Zips, and it's brought to you by... Jasper's always brought to you by the fine folks at Jasper's. Now listen, Steve, Tennessee, Georgia didn't go the way people wanted it to. However, if you're going to have a couple, like four couples come over and like nine kids and you're going to watch a big game like that and, and you and your wife look at each other and you go, how on earth are we going to prepare and manage and feed like five adult couples and like nine children under six years old, by the way, under six years old. Woof. And then I think it got, Whoa. I think, and then I think people learned that, that it was happening. And like another dude showed up with like two more kids under like seven years just old. Just randomly off the street. Yeah. 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 Just, well, <laughs> no, he's a friend of ours. Yeah. Um, and how, how, how could one do that? That seems like a lot of cooking, a big mess, this whole ordeal. You know what we did? We went right to Jasper's, got the family pack, 20 chicken tenders, 10 garlic parm, 10 regular Southern style, fed the kids, all the other food, we got the pork barbecue sliders. You got the smoked turkey wraps. You got the side item that was the sweet chili broccoli. We added some queso to that bad boy, fed all the adults, fed all the kids, had leftovers. Sweet chili, sweet chili broccoli, such an underrated thing. Oh, it's so good. And so, so good. point is, and there's a lot of other options. They got the fajita bar. They got other stuff. But we went with the family pack. It was about 160 bucks, and it fed like almost 20 people. And we had leftovers and, and something for everyone, kids, adults. It was awesome. It was great. So Jasper's. Awesome. Jasper is not only a great place to go, not pay for parking, have a game room, all the great food, but also a great way to great way to cater your tailgate party, your your watch party for a big game. 
um, you know, no, we, no, no hassle at all, Steve. <laughs> like we didn't stress for one second about how, what we had to cook. Not one time. It was great. And, and the parking was still free. <laughs> it was, at, it was at your house, but it, but the parking was still free. Yes. The parking was free for everyone who attended, um, yards for the Tennessee offense. Definitely not free. Those costs, no. th- those are, those are at a premium, uh, these days. All right. So before we get to Kayla, you were at the, you were kind of live tweeting the, uh, Great thread. Go back and check it out if you want some more really, really intricate details about about all this stuff. But there was a a lot of conversation this week, a big press conference, some announcements about redoing some renderings. We all love renderings uh, of what the new fairgrounds could look like as a new renovated racetrack concert venue, part of the neighborhood next to Geodis Park and everything. What do the people need to know about what you witnessed and what you learned and what they've announced? So... The mayor's office, uh, along with uh, Bristol Motorsports, came in and, and made a presentation to the fair board. The proposed uh, renovation of the racetrack, it, it's still up in the air, kind of like what the cost is going to be. But what they've done is they've gotten the Convention of Visitors Bureau to, instead of putting $2 million into the deal, to put $17 million into the deal. And so when you're kind of looking at the pools of money here for what you would, how you would renovate that racetrack and bring NASCAR here. And they they would eventually want to turn it into somewhat of a concert facility and and some other things. You would have 17 million from the state, 17 million from the, from the convention visitors bureau. What the mayor's office told me was they're trying to look at at around $50 million in, in bonds, in, in, in revenue bonds and revenue bonds, as we've talked about on the show before are, you would back them with specific specific dedicated revenue, uh, whether it's ticket taxes, whether it is sales tax capture from the area. All of this is contingent upon a 30,000 seat structure, which means they're probably going to have to redo the grandstands. I mean, I, you can get a lot of people in there right now, but uh, 30,000 sounds awfully familiar for that neighborhood. It does sound very familiar <laughs> for that neighborhood. In better fact, right up the hill. <laughs> the interesting thing to me is that they have not presented a design of it. There, there were some there were some things that were shown. They released a whole bunch of documents. If you want to kind of know what the what all of this is going to be, and you really want to get into the weeds, um, they released a financial study and some design specifications that they have all agreed to. The building that they showed and the, what was in the financial study is a hundred nineteen million dollar facility. So the question is going to be, how do you do a facility for eighty five million that that you have 119 million <laughs> for in this, in the study. And I, I've talked to some folks uh, who say that that's not implausible. There's ways you can save on, on certain things. Con- construction costs, Steve, as they unfold, normally <laughs> don't go down. Just a, um, just a thing. There, there's, there's a, there's a couple of things that, that BMS could do in order to, in order to cut, you know, 10, $20 million off that it is not a done deal. They're going to go into a design phase next. They're good. They're going to take $4 million from the convention center money and and do a design that comes up with all the uses that it's going to need to throw off the revenue that's necessary to cover what the debt service would be on it. This is the thing the mayor's office says. This is the thing that they've said on the Titans. And the, this is the thing that they're going to say on the racetrack, which is that they don't want this. They're not going to do it if it if it comes out of general obligation money. If it comes out of the general fund, it comes out of you know property tax money that that you and I pay in. Uh, what they want, what they want the racetrack to be paid for with is ticket taxes, sales taxes, and some other things that are being spent right there 
at the facility and, you know, ancillary revenue from events that the convention center is going to throw. So things like concerts, festivals, car shows, a, a whole a whole host of, of sort of like other kind of small things. That's how the that's the money that's going to pay for the racetrack. How does <laughs> it's so funny. So a couple a couple of quick observations here, because my buddy, uh, the same one who just randomly showed up at the party, by the way, he and his wife just got back from from a trip to Europe and they went to a bunch of they went to like Crystal Palace and a bunch of cool soccer stadiums. Mm-hmm. And num- number one, there is no parking for any stadium in, in, in all of Europe, which calls into question a few things about our culture. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but they, there's no parking at their stadiums in Europe and there's no parking at Geodis. And it, it's mostly because of public transportation. So just just a quick observation. Um, but the sound element here for the track and the neighborhood, which is a big deal for the soccer stadium and have it have it fit into the neighborhood. Well, NASCAR races are significantly louder. If you're doing any concert venues, which I know Geodis is starting that now, right? Now that their right. the season's over, they're going to start doing the concert stuff. So I think we're going to see how that works in the neighborhood. But it seems like the sound element was a big, big talking point or a big sticking point. From what I could tell, again, you were there. I, I guess I'm just... We've got this two point something billion dollar thing with the Titan Stadium. We've got God knows how much the East Bank development's going to cost. Is this just like people trying to slip another one into the <laughs> into the fold? Well, I mean, while, this is a rounding talking? error. This is a rounding error compared to the Titan right. Stadium. So that's what uh, I'm saying. Like, are they just kind of? Is this what's the I thing mean, when you what's the thing when you add something to the bottom of a bill and it piggybacks its way in? What's there's yeah. a term term for that? A writer. A writer. Uh, yeah. Is this is this a sports writer for the for the mayor's office here? I mean, a little bit, but so the fight is gonna be in a couple of different places. There's gonna be some pushback over the sound. Now, there's they did a sound study. They're gonna use mufflers for non-NASCAR races. For NASCAR races, they will not be muffled. Uh so but that's you know, what so, twice, three, four times that's, a year. At that's most? twice a year. Yeah. And I, I don't think the question is going to be kind of like how much sound would, would like a concert throw off? How was how does the sound out of that stadium compare to the one that's up on the hill yeah. uh, at Geodis? I, I, I'm 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 really I would be really interested to see kind of like what a what a good study of sound coming out of that, it, which is essentially like grandstands and concrete down below versus kind of right. a stadium infrastructure around it above i i i don't have the answer here oh it's um, it's 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 way louder but what's interesting is i live about three miles from the grand prix track i can hear every time they're they're qualifying practicing or racing oh yeah. and i'm three miles away through lots of trees and even some hills and i used to live downtown right next to the track and i'll just like again once a year not a big deal twice yeah. a year not a big deal but if you're gonna have eight to ten races with other types of well, cars and all these different the, concerts the, you know the, those car the, the local racing and the all-american 400 and those guys are going to have mufflers in order for in order for this to work and th- okay. that's the only way that okay. that's the only way that you can have that that kind of racing and their argument is you know better racing not more racing uh, so they're not trying to have a 50 race dates a year it sounds a lot like the titans seating uh, argument <laughs> fewer <laughs> uh, higher quality seats but fewer seats but but i think that you know the fight's going to be in a couple different places it's going to be over sound with the neighbors i think that there's some neighborhood pieces that are that are sort of dug in the the difference between this and the titans deal is because of the 2011 charter amendment and uses on the fairgrounds facility the minute that they do anything to it 
that alters it or changes it or you have to tear something down to build something up, you have to have a, a vote in the council that requires 27 votes uh, as opposed to just as opposed to just half, which right now is 20 in the for, for the Titans. And so the Titans, the Titans deal has that does not have to right does not have as as big a hurdle as as this does and the the, the council member that's that's there colby sledge I, I think is is fairly entrenched against the racetrack deal and so you're gonna have you're gonna have that fight this is gonna be months in the making though this is this is not something that they're gonna try to do here quickly they're gonna do a design element they're gonna figure out kind of what the actual cost is then they're going to make their proposal into the council. I was talking to somebody this morning who said soccer was essentially one big vote at the beginning. And then there were like little votes afterwards that they had to take. Or is this going to be like a series of like, like piecemeal votes uh, where you kind of do it slowly and, and, and kind of get the whole thing through that way, as opposed to kind of like one big fight over X vote. Well, and I'm I'm fascinated by how, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this because I know we need to get to Kayla, but it feels like th- this financing model or plan seems far more complicated and or unique t- compared to a lot of other deals that we've talked about. And it, I find it interesting that the convention center uh, is and, and the whole CVC is just like we're just going to own it. <laughs> like we're if we're going to put up. Am I am I wrong for thinking that that's sort of unique and and different? Or I mean, obviously they have vested interest in people coming to town for concerts and for and for NASCAR to come to Nashville and business partners, you know, are going to want all of that stuff to happen. So I'm just curious how 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 unique is that in terms of you know funding a sports facility? Um, it's I think that I think that with any amount of public financing, what you're going to see is a a high degree of creativity in any market where you're you have multiple kind of pieces put together in order to make a deal work and that's a that's a that's a non-answer <laughs> <laughs> no and i that's i wasn't asking even for an answer necessarily i was just curious so you know the convention and visitors corporation has a has a big stake in this i mean they're putting a lot of money into it right um and they they think that there are they think that there is a place in the market both for the concert venue and for and for as a place for a lot of corporate events. So a place for a 30,000 seat concert venue, literally attached to another 30,000 seat concert venue. I mean, I, 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 this is what I was talking to somebody about this morning was you're building competitors for the same, right. That some of the same concerts on the same campus. Uh, <laughs> and seems, and it seems odd to me. <laughs> I mean, this and this has. I think there's some. You know, there's a fair amount of politics involved here in that the Cooper administration and the the soccer guys don't necessarily get along. That's not. That's not necessarily. That that's not a secret. You know, they they dug in. They forced changes to the deal after Cooper came in before they could break ground on the stadium. And so I don't think it's any accident that if if they take a shot at at the the soccer stadium's business but they I don't I don't think that's they're not trying to do that but they don't they don't care necessarily about it yeah, they're, yeah. You, they're, just, they're, you just got to go thing uh... that that creates a financial model right. that pays for the the racetrack look, look just just go after totally different genres of people NASCAR needs a Blake Shelton concert okay and and Jodas Park probably needs like some EDM, you know, like it's just <laughs> just go for two things that the same person's never going to buy a ticket for 
uh, tie it into the cultural brand of and the fan base and the target audience that love those two venues. Uh, you probably could find enough differentiation in the music world, you know, like, who knows? We'll see. The, the, ske- the scheduling there, I mean, because they're going to have to play nice with each other, at least in terms of scheduling, because there's there is a finite amount of parking around there. So, I mean, the first test of this is going to be that that Shania Twain concert that comes next summer. That's going at, at Geotis. I mean, they're going to sell. I mean, I think they've already. I don't know if tickets are on sale for that or, or not yet, but you know, they're going to sell thir- you know twenty five thirty thousand tickets for that. So, uh, I just wanted to, I wanted you. We need to get to Kayla, but I wanted everybody to uh, kind of get since you were there, get a quick rundown of everything. As you said, this is going to unfold over a long period of time with lots of news trickling out. Um, so we'll get to that. Ratings on the highest. Most watched sporting events in Nashville this fall. Maybe a little bit of a surprise. We'll get to that. Where the World Series ranked. Also a huge surprise there. Uh, and we'll talk some Valley Sports subscription stuff for you Preds fans and you Grizzlies fans as well. Um, so we'll get to, I guess, some Hawks fans too, maybe. <laughs> so we'll, Are there uh, any Hawks fans? I, I, don't, I don't know if there are here, but maybe. maybe. Uh, we'll get to all of that after Stephen our conversation. Godfrey, but that's about it. That doesn't count. After our conversation here with the great and talented and amazing Kayla Anderson. She's the host, of course in the mornings on 104.5 The Zone. And here was our conversation with Kayla. Kayla, great to see you. Thank you for giving us your time today on the show. We do appreciate it. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. A different look here because I got the bun on. I don't usually <laughs> wear the bun, right, in TV. No such thing as wearing this. So that's is, a- is, is the bun a radio thing? It's become a thing for the sheer fact that I'm up at 4 a.m. I was going to say myself going in the morning. Not a lot of time to uh, not a lot of time to prepare. Well, I mean, there could be, but you're just you're just sacrificing sleep at that point. So exactly. I'd rather not sacrifice the sleep and sacrifice the hair. Kayla, why did you switch from television to sports talk radio when you get up at four in the morning and have to contribute four hours of content every single day? Why did you make the move? Yeah, a lot of people ask me that, and I have many answers, but I would say the main thing for me was it was all about what I felt like I needed to do for my career at this point. Everybody is on a different path in their career. Um, Some people have set goals in mind, aren't willing to veer away from them. Um, I'm somebody who sets many goals, but I also look at the reality of the situation, the reality of where TV is headed, um, what's going to make me better as just a TV person, radio person in general um, in the world of sports, because that's my world. I mean, I literally eat, breathe and sleep sports. And so for me, at at that point in my career, spending 15 years in local television doing sports, it, it was the right time for me to shift into a different avenue. And for me, the opportunity was radio, right? I mean, radio that was still here in Nashville, I was still going to be able to cover the sports that I've been covering for the past five years and enjoying the market uh, of sports that continues to grow here in this city. And TV news, um, local news, it's just, it, it's headed in a different direction. And for me, it wasn't enough of the challenge anymore, right? It was becoming more of a day to day thing, a kind of a nine to five job. That's what it felt like. And I just needed more. And I'm kind of one of those go-getter personalities where I needed to, to be talking sports more than, you know, two and a half, three minutes a day when you're doing a lot of the other work behind the scenes, which I actually really enjoy. But when you 
do all that stuff, prepare all that stuff, and you're not able to really reap the rewards. Uh, I just need a little bit more gratification at this point in my career and to challenge myself personally. I mean, that was my first question was uh, the, <laughs> you're working all of this, uh, all of this time for, I mean, you said two and a half, three minutes. I mean, on some days that's getting cut down to like 90 seconds uh, of, of sports time in a local newscast. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there, where's the challenge in that? I yeah, mean, other, other than to get, get it down as brief as possible. <laughs> yeah, it is really challenging because, and I'm still doing a uh, reminder, I'm still doing freelance workforce news too, in terms of the sports um, shows that they have the special programming and that's what is the the savior in some of these local news broadcasts or local news sports, you know, teams is that they have those specialty um, shows because we still at News 2, it's the Titan show on Thursdays that they tape and then it shows on Saturdays. That's TN Nation. That's a 30 minute show dedicated to the Titans. And then the 30 minute show, as you guys know, Sports Extra on Sundays. That's where you get your most bang for your buck is is those shows because it's 30 minutes dedicated to sports content, local sports content that you are producing and you kind of are the one able to control it. And so that's really um, what you look forward to in a lot of these local jobs now is those specialty programs because it just comes down to the news and the weather. They rule. And, and if they've got to cut you at the bottom when sports is usually at the end of a sports cast, they're, they're going to cut you. I mean, that's just how it is. And so I, I know a lot of the times you're putting all this stuff together, you're cutting all these highlights. It takes almost a half of a day. I know that sounds wild, guys, but when you're doing it all by yourself, it, it takes a while to put together those shows to produce, edit, and write. And then you go on air. I was just trying to get through my sports casts. Um, to try to make sure I got everything in. And sometimes it doesn't happen. And then you're like, dang, I couldn't even get three minutes in. (laughs) Well, and it feels like, and I guess audience engagement or interaction, which is obviously a huge part of, of a radio show or a talk show and, and just not a part, it's just not a part of television in general, just for obvious reasons. So when you talk about fulfillment and having all that stuff that you've worked so hard for, now it's the opposite. Now you now you have four hours to fill and you get to interact with people in real time to see how it affects them. I'm assuming that your personal challenges and some of the personal growth you want, that those specific things are a big part of that. Or you can correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. No, I think you're exactly right. I think that was the one thing about doing television and that's even television in a regional or whatever it might be. You're not getting that instant feedback And a lot of us, we get it on Twitter, maybe, or we get messages here and there. You'll get a little bit of a feedback, but uh, you're not getting that instant feedback. And I think that sometimes, even if it's not something you want to hear, or if it's something that's maybe a little bit more critical, I take that as a challenge and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be better next time, or I'm going to, you know, do this better. And even if I disagree with them, I I know there's different opinions out there. You just get more of that on radio, especially when you're on four hours straight. I mean, that's a lot of time to be talking. And I have two other, you know, great co-hosts that I'm on with. And part of that is just having fun and showing our personalities. But part of it is just all this knowledge I've collected throughout my career, living in different parts of the country and covering different teams. 
I feel so excited sometimes to be able to now share some of those little tidbits or some of the things that I got to learn along the way, whereas I just wouldn't get the chance to do that in a local sports setting for TV. You, you, you said here at the, at the outset that you had kind of looked at where local news and local sports was going. What do you think? It, where do you think it's headed? It's weird. I don't know, but I don't think it's going to be anything like it used to be just because of the digital platform now. The digital platform has taken things to a whole different level. And I just think that local news has to shift with that too. And when it comes to sports, that's going to be the first thing that I think local TV is going to not want as much as. In some places, guys, there are some places that don't even really cover local sports. They'll have a news reporter on the beat every now and then with bigger news. But even the Seattle market, where I'm from up there, there's a couple stations that really don't have a sports department. It's a one-person sports department. That's a pro town through and through. I mean, that has almost every pro sport, hopefully getting NBA back there soon. And they've got one, one person doing sports. So that's just a way to kind of explain it's it's up to the the station, obviously, but it's ultimately up to the people above who own these stations and how much they want to incorporate sports. But because it's going so much of the digital digital platform, what can you do right now? I think that local is just kind of going away from sports more. And I so, think that continues. So uh, there's I've asked every TV personality this question, and it's sort of. There's not really a, a, a way to it's, it's sort of a meandering conversation here, which includes a lot of different things affecting the content itself. But I, I I am of the belief that television, local television stations are actually better positioned to take advantage of the move to video digital. Like we're we're all pivoting to video like 16 times in a row. That's what everyone's done. So if everyone's pivoting to video and it's all going to be online, why wouldn't news stations, news channels be the best positioned for that? Yeah. But there seems to be another force of like opinion driving sports content versus reporting driving sp sports yeah. content. And that those two things sort of run head to head where TV stations are super qualified to make this shift, mm -hmm. but they don't want to go too much into opinion. Is that the is that the like the, he the, the headbutting that's taking place and why TV channels aren't able to make the conversion? Yeah, and that that's actually a question that I would really love to pick the brains of the people in corporate that are running the show in, in the long run. Because I remember when we had a show that was um, really really brought to us a few years ago. The it's called it was called um, Southeastern Stream. It was like a football in the South, the SEC based show, and it was digital. And they came to me and said, hey, would you like to host this? We're going to go around to all of our Nexstar affiliates. Nexstar is who owns News 2 and, and many other um, stations across the country. Would you like to host this? And then we're going to have contributors from all around the Southeast every single week. And I said, heck yeah. And it was actually a really cool show. It, it, I mean, every week, if you're a South, a Southeastern Conference person, guy or gal, this was the place I think that you could get a lot of cool content because you were getting the perspective from people from all over. And that was digital. So we were taping that every Thursday. Um, and, you know, our news director really loved it. He thought it was great. Um, he, I mean, he wanted to keep doing it. 
unfortunately, you know, it, it wasn't his decision to keep that going. And we never, you never really get an answer of maybe why, because they had other big programs around the country. They had one with like uh, college basketball that was a digital platform show and they, they took that away too. So I don't know the reasoning for that because that was an opinion based and a lot of people really enjoyed it, but they just didn't feel like it got enough um, audience to, to keep it going. So radio is interesting in that I know you've done a bunch of radio. You've done a bunch of four hour shows. I know most of the TV folks in this market are talented enough and have enough knowledge to just sit down. And like, I've seen all of you do like radio shows for four hours off the top of your head with every major subject. It's, it's remarkable, but it's different to do it every single day. So after let's say two weeks went by, Mm -hmm. What 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 are you thinking on a Friday morning? Two weeks have gone by. You've done 40 hours of radio and you sit back and you take a deep breath. What is it that you learned about the format in those first two weeks? Yeah, it, the format, like you said, is completely different. And if I didn't have like the beforehand, uh, I guess, reps of filling in, because I, I was starting to fill in on the morning show you know, a couple times a month. So I, I sort of knew how it went and how the flow was, but that wasn't every single day waking up and doing that. So I learned quickly that it is, it's four hours. And sometimes you, you are going to go ball heavy if the balls are winning, like they have been right. Or before the Georgia game, it was just, there was a lot of hype on the Vols. People wanted to talk about the Vols almost more than the Titans um, at that point. And so we're going Vol heavy like all week. And it's crazy because the the two other guys I work with, Ramon Foster and Will Bowling, like they're UT alums. I am no. not, I'm the furthest. I'm the furthest from a UT alum. <laughs> and look, I co- I've covered the Vols here for the past five years. So I follow the program and, and they have a heck of a team this year. But at some point you're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to talk about the Vols with this guest again? Like, how am I going to switch it up? And I think, <laughs> I think what I've learned in my broadcasting career is you, you really sometimes you just have to have the knowledge there. And then you have to kind of know where the interviews are going or where the, the questions are going. And you, you have to take off of what their answers are and really feed off of that and maybe just develop your question off of that. You can't come in prepared always with the questions laid out. That's not, I think, the way to do radio, right? I mean, you've got to be prepared and you've got to have things there. But when you're repeating kind of the same subjects over and over and talking to different guests, you have to become more creative in the way that you're asking questions. Um, and that's what I've tried to do here since I do realize now that sometimes it's going to go ball heavier. It's going to go Titans heavy one week. Uh, you have to just stay true to yourself and make sure you're really listening to whatever guests you have on and just making sure also to have fun and kind of sometimes you don't have to always talk just the X's and O's, like feed off of each other's personalities. If somebody's kind of having one of those bad days, try to have a try to make them laugh a little, right? Try to pick on them a little to to kind of get the show going in that way. So that's what I've learned is just you can't really follow like a set schedule of how you do things. Like it, for it, instance, if 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 Ron and if Ron and Will might have had a been had a particularly bad say Monday morning this week, Ramon. Uh, after- Ramon. 
Ramon. Sorry. Although, although well, Ron, although Ron also, I was going to say Ron also probably. I was going to say, I'm sorry. I, I defaulted, although Ron, to, I defaulted although, to slay. I'm not sure either one of them has ever had a bad day, honestly. Uh, uh, right? Yeah. I'm like, what? Are you guys happy all the time? Like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, yeah no. <laughs> But you're right. On Monday, the energy was definitely down with just how it had compared the week before preparing for Georgia. And it, it was funny because Will was really tired because he did the Titans um, talk back that night for Titans on um, uh, Sunday night football. So he had only gotten like three hours of sleep. And he's like, hey, I'm warning you guys, I don't have a lot of energy and I and we were like, you know what? We got you, Will. And when when it's like that, you kind of have to have to have those days when even though he's the host, you got to be able to be the person who picks him up sometimes. And if that means laying in a jab here and there to get him going, you got to do it. But I think we all <laughs> we all respect each other enough now that we kind of know which buttons we can push, right? Lamestream Sports is a podcast about national sports media and business. It is hosted by Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. Please sign up for good journalism, NashvilleBanner.com. And it is, in fact, brought to you by a local business named Jaspers. Yep. Yep, that's what it is. It's named Jaspers. So, so Braden, let me, let me let me ask you a, a little bit about this shindig you threw here for the UT Georgia game. Uh, you're going to feed everybody. You're going to do it at Jaspers. You got some decisions to make. Mm. First of all, how do you how do you figure out variety for this? Because uh, not everybody wants to eat the same thing, right? I no, mean, yeah, you can't ju- you can't just get like twenty burgers and lay them out there and say, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. here's your, here's your quarter pounders, kids. Go go to it. Um, so number one, you do not run the ball into a seven man front. You run the football into a five man front. That's my first. Uh, that's the first answer. I hope, Coach Youth Pastor Josh dad is listening but anyway um that's a side story altogether um it's actually funny you asked that because again had the tennessee volunteer georgia bulldog watch party had a bunch of couples and a bunch of small kids and the kids already have all kinds of like different because they're so young they have different patterns of eating right like they're, they're they're like once you get to like 12 years old you can just be like we're you're just gonna eat whatever's on the table, kid. <laughs> like right. you can you can kind of be you can kind of be a little bit more forceful with the decision making process. But when you've got like a one and a half year old who can't have dairy and a two year old who doesn't like hasn't eaten a burger ever or can't eat like spicy barbecue pork sliders, you know what I mean? Like they're not there's a they're they're just too young. Most of the kids that were there were just too young to consume most like really high quality catered food. So I was I was sitting there and I was like, man, I could grill out burgers and dogs for the older kids that do eat that. And for the for the one and a half year old who can't have dairy. okay, that works. But then what do we do for the other kids who don't eat meat? okay, okay, maybe we can order a pizza. So it's like we were just going like, why would we do all of that crap? I go to Jasper's. I look at the family pack and I was like, man, this would be so easy. It's got 20 chicken tenders right there. So I'm looking at I'm looking at this going. All right. Chicken chicken tenders. Chicken tenders, the main, the main staple of any of any kid under the age of seven years old. No food pulls higher universally across the five and under age group than chicken tenders. I'm almost positive. Uh, maybe maybe mac and cheese. Maybe mac and cheese um, might be up there as well. But again, the one and a half year old can't have dairy, so mac and cheese out. You know, can't just make a big vat of it with like six boxes for all the kids because like the two of the kids won't eat it. So I go, I look at this and I go, I text the boys that are coming over. I go, guys, chicken tenders. Is that good for everybody's kids? And they're like, done. 
I was like, awesome. And then I look at it and I go, 12 barbecue pork sliders. Got that coleslaw on it. It's got a little spice to it. It's delicious. They keep really well. You got 12 smoked turkey wraps with bacon and avocado smash in there. They're delicious. You get to pick a side item. So we got the sweet chili broccoli, which, of course, my older my kids are the older kids of the group. They'll actually eat the broccoli as well. So they'll eat that. Um, and then we added we added queso, which has like black beans and marinated tomatoes and chorizo in it. It's some of the best queso you will ever have. And it keeps really well. Uh, that was a huge hit with all the adults and my oldest daughter, who is a who just crushes queso. It's ridiculous. It's not going to be good for her her body later in life, but like whatever, she loves it. <laughs> um, she's she's her father's daughter. I can't I can't do anything about it. Um, but no, it was actually for so many different types of palates, it was perfect. If you wanted a healthier smoked turkey wrap, you had that. If you wanted the rich, just delicious barbecue that was spicy, you got that. If you wanted some broccoli, you got some queso. You got the chicken tenders. They had five different options of chicken tenders. We did 10 garlic parm and 10 southern style. Stayed away from the spicy. Perfect. Zero chicken tenders left over. I'm sure. <laughs> 20 I'm sure. chicken tenders were gone. How many, how many adults were swooping in and just kind of going, oh, I could eat I one to, of those. I kind of felt like a grandma, like with a ruler, like slap it. Like, <laughs> no, no, no 41-year-old male. That is not your food. You, <laughs> you have to let the kids eat that food. Chicken finger boy. We've discussed chicken finger boy on the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of chicken finger boys out there don't don't uh, don't be a chicken finger boy um so it was it was perfect man it was perfect i called them the day before i said look i want to order the family pack add some queso to it uh they said all right come on what time i was like one o'clock and like all right it'll be ready and it it showed up and we it was all warm so uh, it was de- it was delivered uh it, i had the option of having having it delivered and i said no i'll just come i, I gotta run Let's out go to pick the, it up. i had to run out to the store I uh, had to run to Weiss Liquors, so I had to go there. So go check out Weiss Liquors, everybody. It so was it a- was easy to go pick it up because yes. you had free parking. Dude, I popped into the store and it was all sitting right there at the door. It took me five seconds. I signed the, the thing. I do have a question for you now that we're here in this, this journey together. How much do you tip on a party pack to go order? Like on I'm honestly asking this because I'm a I'm a compulsive over tipper. I'm at like 25% for like everything. If I'm at Geodis Park, for example, and I get a beer and all they did was reach into the tub and grab me a beer and, and crack it open for me, I'm still giving you like a dollar, 10% tip. You know what I mean? Like I'm still giving you a dollar on a beer or $2 on a beer. Uh, I'm a compulsive over tipper, but I think on a catering setup, uh, on a catering setup, it's 10%. Uh, if if there is labor involved in the in it, whether it's delivery or whether it's setup or whether it's you no, know serving or whatever, like it, then that that's a different matter. But yeah, ten percent. They they basically took the boxes from the chefs, the tubs of food, and put them into a bag. Yeah, and then printed out the receipt for me. Like that's what they did. Now, again, I'm a compulsive over tipper, so I tipped. But I I, just, I honestly was for a second there. I was like, what do I do? Like who's this now? If it's if it's, I'm assuming Jasper's does this because Jasper's is wonderful people. I'm assuming that's a collective tip pot, right? That gets distributed across a lot of different people at the end of the night. So um, I, I would assume that's uh, that's what's happening. Either way, it was great. It was awesome. It was fantastic. Uh, the food was super perfect and it worked perfectly for the event. So I cannot recommend the family pack on events for kids and families watching games. Um, absolutely wonderful. So. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Check out Jasper's. You don't have to, you don't even have to go to Jasper's to enjoy Jasper's. It's wonderful. Go to Jasper's. 
what is the topic that you that you've come across so far? I mean, you have you, again, you have four hours of radio every morning that you're like, I cannot talk about this again. Uh, that 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 I just, I mean, is it baseball? Yeah. Is it uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, just, just kind of throwing be, that. Just out be there grateful anymore. that you weren't doing four hours of radio during uh, OTAs and Traylon Burks asthma gate. Just, oh just, my god! Just be grateful that you weren't doing that. And that's the thing. There's going to be those times, right? That we're going to have one subject. Like, I, I'm not joking, you guys. AJ Brown, it is still a topic of conversation. No matter how much we try to avoid this. When when AJ Brown is no, tweeting Steve, during the game. let her go. Let her go. Like, AJ Brown. Like, this is something we've talked about just to, uh, ad nauseum. I'm to the point where... I think we're going to go a week without mentioning AJ Brown and somehow he finds his weaseling way back into the Nashville media market. And you're right. It was the tweet that he put out this, this Sunday about, you know, the wide receivers or lack of whatever you want to say. And we found a way to talk about it this way, this week on the show. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about this guy, but somehow he figures to find his way into the show every damn week. Well, well, that leads directly to a radio principle that people, I don't think when they get into the business or listeners understand. And that is your goal is not to talk about all the things that you like. Your job is not to talk about all the things that you care about that you find interesting. Your job is to talk about the right topics that the broadest set of your audience will find interesting. So even when you come across asthma gate or AJ Brown sending a tweet. It doesn't matter what you think about it. You have to be prepared to do something quality on yeah. a subject that you know your audience may care about that you personally do not. And that's the, the great point that you make there because it, in the long run, it, it's not really about you ever. It's about your audience and what they want to talk about, what you they want feedback on. They come to you a lot just for opinions and, and your point of view. And so you got to make sure that you address it. And so I think that we do do a good job of doing that. And as frustrated as I can get sometimes like this week, it's, it's Todd Downing. Cause that is the, the, this week, <laughs> this week every week and this week it, it's even, it's even more so. And so yeah. we've addressed a lot of that, like on Mondays, which are the big overreaction Mondays. You guys all know that people, that the phone lines are full and people just want to get their thoughts and opinions out there, which I think is great. That's actually what I enjoy too, you guys about radio is it is the instant feedback of like sometimes giving you criticism or giving you like sometimes praise of like, Hey, you know what you're talking about, but it's more so just hearing really what these fans are really saying and getting their feedback. Cause it's, it's amazing how much you get in radio. I mean, people really are out there listening. Best color you've gotten since you uh, since since you came onto the morning show slash oh. worst slash worst. They're the same. Okay. <laughs> they are the same. So best <laughs> caller I had like one of my first weeks that I was there, and it, it was excited to have me join and wanted me to pick out a box of chocolates for to send to me. I thought that that was uh, interesting. Yeah, um, uh, that's a that's a good that's a good word. <laughs> Interesting, I, I, weird, I, yeah. creepy could also be words that you might use. Yeah, like very creepy, um, but at the, the same time, kind of funny. We've had a caller. Um, let's see, what was the one the other day? We had a caller come in uh, and talk about 
like a wedding that he had to um, go to instead of watching the Vols game. And he was all up in arms about it. And sometimes people like to go on there and just vent about what's going on, maybe with their personal life and how sports kind of interacts with it. Those callers are the best because I actually get a chuckle out of that kind of stuff. And you can feed off of that and it takes you in a different direction sometimes. So we've had a couple of callers too that have kind of complained about their, their personal issues that kind of uh, interact with sports as well. Uh, and, that fantastic. Kind of, and that really is truly, I think the beauty of the medium, like there's, I'm going to, we'll get to all the science of radio in just a second, yeah. but like the, the beauty of the medium is that long form journalism, you're, you know, even a long form podcast conversation like this, where we're sort of having some fun, but it's a lot of serious stuff and we're trying yeah. to go into the details and the minutia. And that's what a, a long article, a 2000 word takeout piece looks like. You certainly aren't going to inject a ton of like, where, what am I, what am I wedding? How do I watch the game during the wedding in a two minute sports broadcast on TV? Like that's not a thing that can happen. I do right. think that that is the beauty of the medium is, is those moments where your sports and your human side, they come together and you're able to have an interesting and thoughtful conversation while yeah. also appealing to like a human experience, not just even a sports fan or a particular team's experience. Because that's what sports, when in general, that's what it's all about. It's all about how it connects us, right? I mean, that's what makes me so weird that I continue to do this job, it, even though through all the crap that I've gone through in my career, you know, being laid off and all that stuff and, and sometimes not thinking I have enough to make it in this business. And I always come back to it because when it comes down to it, I just love talking sports with people. I love debating, you know, I love success stories. I love when people's teams do well and they deserve it, right? I mean, it it makes you kind of just like be like, all right, this is this is worth it in the end. And radio, I think that's I've enjoyed it even more because you have that much more time to appreciate it. Uh, Go ahead, ahead, Steve. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say in your first chunk of time here um, with the new role, making a big switch. Have you met with any sort of radio consultants, as we like to call them? Have we learned topic tree, uh, never be 30 minutes away from your top story, brought a set of the audience? I've had about a zillion of those meetings. Have you had any of those types of conversations with uh, quote unquote consultants on how to execute the science of radio, Kayla? Yeah, and I, I, I'm not the host, so I think in a lot of ways, hosts have a lot more of a structure to abide by. And I know, you know, for us, it, it's more so right now, you know, being yourself and not trying to be something that you're not. And I know a lot of the times, you know, with a three-person show, it's setting, you know, Will setting Ramon and I up to kind of answer more of the questions. We have certain topics that we definitely go by throughout the week. We have like, you know, certain things that we hit on on Wednesdays and Thursdays or Fridays. Um, But for me, I've been kind of just told, make sure you're just continuing to be yourself. And another thing that when I came in, um, you know, coming from TV that was different was I'm out there at practice all the time in in TV. I'm out there Wednesday through Friday at practices, going and interviewing guys in the locker room, making sure that I have my feet on the ground. And that was something important that I went to them actually and said, I'm not giving this up. I'm not one of those people that will go on TV or TV or radio and talk about it. And I'm not actually there getting 
the real answers and, and putting myself out there and dedicating the time. So I'm still doing all that. I'm still going to all Titans practices. I'm actually going to Preds practices as much as I can, even though we're not Preds heavy on the show um, right now. And I'm making sure that I put my money where my mouth is. And that was something I came to them and said, this, I'm not giving this up. What makes a better guest? Uh, is it someone, is it like a player or coach or is it, is it, uh, because radio does does a lot of talk with observers uh, of, yeah. of, of people that are that are either covering or watching or are opinion people in another market. What 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 make what makes the better guest? There's always some of those writers that actually are really funny and have uh, that can add not only the knowledge part but have a little bit of personality to them. I really enjoy those type of guests. Now, players can be hit and miss. And I think you really have to know who you have on your show because there are some guys, and I can list them all off in that Titans locker room, who just don't have the personality to really um, be on radio and, and to, you're going to probably tune out, right, after a couple questions. But those players who have personality that aren't afraid to show it, those are, they're awesome to have. I mean, I know like Jeffrey Simmons, he, if you get him going, he's, he's, he's a great guy to have, you know, he'll talk X's and O's and he's really good at it, but he'll also kind of open up a little bit more and, and show his personality. Um, there's several people like that. So I think players, if you're getting the right ones are great to talk to. And then sometimes just personalities um, like Ryan McGee, we had on, He's obviously a TV guy, but my goodness, you guys, anybody who has been in the business long enough who can tell stories that are relatable in whatever subject you're talking about, that I think that makes for excellent interview. And he's probably my favorite interview so far that I've done since I've been um, doing the mornings at 104.5 The Zone. Like he's, He was incredible. He was funny. He had stories for days. He obviously has the knowledge. Um, so I think those are the types of guests you really want on. It's those it's those damn long form writers that turn into TV and radio personalities that end up being the best. It really drives me nuts. Um, (laughs) All right. So what's interesting about your situation is and I kind of went through this as well, where you have a a, a personality who's been on a show for a while. There's a pre existing uh, show and sort of personality that's there. Then the change is made. and, And, you know, Will has been on the channel a lot and he's been around doing a lot of things. And all of a sudden, he's in a new role, and then you come into a new role. But Ramon has been there for a while. So how how is it? What were the conversations like when the three of you sit down and try to figure out how are we actually going to do this every single day and sort of communicate and and learn about each other's personalities? Uh, what, what were those conversations like? Yeah, and that's all. No matter where you are, it's always hard to come in when something was already in front of you, or you know, you're 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 kind of filling the shoes of somebody not filling the shoes, but you're, you're kind of in that role now where they were for, you know, two years, three years, whatever, sometimes even 15 years. Um, luckily, you know, that wasn't my situation where I was coming in to be the host, right. I was coming in to be an addition to the show. And I knew, you know, that was what my role was, but you know, Will's coming in, he's now the host. Um, you know, Ramon has been there. So he was part, part of what there was before. And so, I think it was important for us to all be on the same page from the start. We had actually done a couple shows together already um, when I was filling in and and when Ramon and Will had filled in a couple times in the mornings. 
So we saw early on that we kind of had a chemistry with each other. We're all very different. You know, Will's a little bit more of the serious one, but can open up the more and more you get to know him. Ramon is just like the big teddy bear. I mean, he played, he's an offensive lineman. He's extremely knowledgeable. I think sometimes people can get these football jobs that don't deserve it. But like some of these guys really have the smarts and he does, but he's also a nice guy and he's funny too. And then I'm kind of the one that comes on. I wasn't able to always show my personality on TV. I just didn't have time to do it. But like, I'm a grinder, man. I like, I've been through a lot of crap in my career. I don't take a lot of ish. Um, I like to be opinionated sometimes and I'm not always right, but I'm not afraid sometimes to battle with, with whoever is the guy or gal next to me. And so I think it was a chance for me to really showcase my personality a little more. I'm a little quirky, a little, um, kind of like a doof sometimes, but I'm not afraid to show it. And I think that just all worked in combination together. And we all acknowledge that just to be ourselves. And so I think for the most part, that's what they've encouraged us to do. I can't compare myself to anybody else because I've just got to be me. So so going toe to toe with people, uh, how do you get Mike Vrabel to open up at a press conference? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I tried, you know, I... I try to have respect in, for everybody that I cover, teams, players, no matter what the situation is. But I also try to read the room a lot when I'm walking into a situation. Vrabel is one of the toughest people. You don't know what you're going to get on any <laughs> given day. I mean, the days you might think that you're going to get a good Mike Vrabel because let's say it was a win or they had something encouraging that happened in practice the day before. And then the next day you get the complete opposite. Right. So I got I've gone into it like read the room because Teresa usually asks the first question. Right. We all know that the queen gets the first question and then you can kind of get gather, you know, from there where you're going. But just like an example the other day, I thought I was asking a, a pretty decent question just I thought it was interesting preparing for a Sunday night game for a lot of these younger guys these rookies who are playing um, for the first time this year and they had already had that with Monday night football and experienced that so you know what did some of these guys learn preparing for a whole day you know what do they do how do they get ready the only thing Vrabel said and it turned out to be great was Kayla we're not doing anything that we did the same for Monday night football <laughs> Sunday night. I thought that was great. And I was like, as much as he didn't really answer my question, yeah, you know, Vrabel, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. And it, it turned out to be hilarious um, in the end because it's just Vrabel being Vrabel, but you never know what you're going to get from you guys. Even if you prepare something or try to do it a certain way, yeah. sometimes you got to just fly by the seat of your pants. H have you learned? Cause I, I find press conference, press conferences and I think our media does a pretty good job and, and across yeah. all across all the sports in in the city and in our market mm -hmm. but I do I do think press conference settings are it's more performative it's more human psychology experiment than almost anything else <laughs> it's about it's about how a person performs you know in front of the cameras um it's very yeah. it's not it's not very personal for for that person right like not, I'm, not, I'm not meeting the media I mean the coach and the player like yep. all eyes are on them to see what they're going to say and we're trying to study every every nuance of what they say but now in radio, what I found in, in my career is when you get that 12 minutes, though, with somebody that it's a very different type of situation. And that yeah. if you can do it well, you can get that person to say so much more stuff because heaven forbid a one on one conversation actually provide more content than 
yeah. you know, a group scrum or whatever. You're right. And it, it, it is, it's approaching it the right way. Right. And it, it, it depends on your guest and, and maybe the connection they have with, with the, you know, either player, like let's say it's a player interview. Sometimes you have that player like Ramon open things up because he played and maybe he can connect on a different level. Um, for an example, uh, Nick Westbrook Akine, he came on the show earlier this year. Look, that's not a guy who has opened up much to us, even in the locker room. If if you've had him in the locker room and you're kind of doing a one-on-one with him, he's he's not been the easiest to open up and talk about anything other than football. And we had him on the show a, a month ago or so. And my goodness, that's the most I have ever heard NWI <laughs> speak anything out outside of, you know, football. He was talking about going golfing with his new family. You know, he's about to get buried and, and all this stuff. And he was talking about, oh, God, grandpa's going to give me a hard time. I was like, this is incredible. He just seemed different talking to us on the radio. Maybe it's not a video thing, too, right? And, and getting a whole different uh, look on NWI because he opened up a little bit more. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, Indy cars, Indy cars. Talk to him about Indi- Indianapolis 500. <laughs> yeah. That's right, because he's he's the Indy guy up there. There you go. Yep. Yep. Okay. Next All right, so, I'm going to bring that up. <laughs> All right, so so we're going to we're going to make you in charge of a new show, whether it's uh, a new radio show or a new uh, a new TV uh, show as a commentator or whatever else. Pick somebody in the market uh, who's a player or coach uh, who would who would you who would you pull that would have the personality to to do something, whether it's whether it's on radio or TV. Mm. <sighs> the personality to do something. I feel like I was just talking about this the other day. Um, okay. And it can be on any team, right? Uh, in town. Yeah. In town. Okay. So it's funny because I, I probably right now, since we're covering more football, will go towards a, a football person. Although I feel like there's a couple, couple hockey guys, you guys sneakily, there's a couple hockey guys that, that might have the personalities to pull something off like that. You know, I am actually going to go with, this might be surprising, but I'm going to go with a guy like Bud Dupree. <laughs> like he doesn't seem like he is going to say much, especially last year. I think we were all wondering like who Bud was like, do you talk? Do you really want to, do, do you even like the media? Cause it doesn't seem like you want to say much. He wasn't available much. And then all of a sudden this year, he's been in the locker room every time he's, he's been more than happy to talk with the media. Once you start opening him up, he's got like a little bit more of a personality than you think, but he's not afraid to speak his mind either. And I could have been going with the easy one and Taylor Lewan, but that's way too easy. So I think if you really get to know Bud and, and the, the the way that he kind of isn't afraid to speak his mind, but has played the game and knows knows a lot about it, I think Bud actually might be pretty good. I, I mean, Bayard's, a, Bayard's an easy one. Um, yeah, Bayard, Bayard. I mean, you could all say Bayard, but I'm right. trying to think of a guy who right. maybe people wouldn't immediately think about. And think about this guy too, Rashad Weaver. Has He's still very, very young. But if he continues to just take care of business and, and grow as a player, that guy's really good with the media. He's really he's kind of got a, a, a good personality. He He's good at talking ball. Um, 
he's 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 confident, but not in a cocky way. So he might be a guy in the future yeah. uh, th- that could take that spot as well. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm like trying to answer this question too. Now that Steve's asked it, like in my head, I'm like, because Johansson, no. like if you want to do a comedy, was, yeah. if you want to do a comedy hour, you could do an hour with Ryan Johan Ryan Johansson every week. I, like you'd have to really understand his sense of humor, <laughs> to, but but yes. it would be really funny. I, I, honestly, John Hines is the complete opposite of Mike Rabel. Like you just be like, yes. hey, what? Hey, like, what's going on with the power play? And he's going to give you a four minute answer about like scheme and personality, and which I think is refreshing considering. I his, love it. Yeah, considering his predecessor, uh, yeah. Casey Casey Alexander <laughs> would be a really. If you want to talk basketball, there's not many yeah. people better than than Casey Alexander. So, yeah. um, uh, Steve, you got anything else for for our wonderful, amazing, awesome guest, Kayla Anderson? Here, uh, you deliberately took a job that has you getting up at four a.m. Why? <laughs> Why? Okay. So let me let me just say this, guys. I have always been a crazy morning person. Yes, I'm one of those people. Ever since I was in middle school, I can remember getting excited to get up and pour that bowl of cereal. For some reason, that's what got me encouraged to get up is to get up. I was like, what cereal am I going to have today? I am pumped. I'm ready to go. I was always excited to go to school. I'm such a nerd, but I just like loved school from middle school on. I I loved getting up and going to school and, and, you know, being ready for the day. Then it turned into, I liked getting up, going to the gym or getting my workout in and starting my day. So that's something I've always kind of done just to get up and get some stuff done with or get ready to, to get going. So it hasn't been as hard as I thought it would, but I will say, guys, six o'clock compared to four o'clock getting up, that two hours does make a difference. Did the, did the time change help at all? No, it <laughs> stop, made it worse. Stop, stop. Man, stop. all day on yeah. Sunday. I'm like, can yeah. Sunday night football just get here? And then guess what, guys? You know, it goes into overtime. 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 Okay. And 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 of course, I'm assuming Tuesday night hockey games on the West Coast are wonderful yes. to wonderful to watch when you have to get up early. Now, here's a question: the most important question you'll answer all day. What kind of cereals did your parents allow you to have? Because oh yeah. I, because I think that, like my parents, yes. basic basically dictators, uh, fascist cereal dictators who would not give me any fun cereals at all as a kid. Completely, you know, stopped all of that love and enjoyment of cereal. Were were you allowed the the Cocoa Puffs and the Lucky Charms. Like, what What were you allowed at cereal standpoint? These are the oh, important yeah, really, things, Kayla. Um, we, uh, let's just say this. My parents, this might have been a fault, uh, but we had sit-down <laughs> dinner, like, every night. Really great home-cooked meals, so maybe this was why. They let us have anything we wanted. Oh, you're so lucky. Dinner. Man, our pantry... Every time we went, we were like, well, mom, can we get this kind? Can we? Because tr-? I had a younger brother, and we're like, could we try out this kind? We had anything you could think of. So every sugar, that's probably not a good thing. I know it's not a good no, thing. No, it's the key you to success what? in life. It's the it, key it to success in the mornings. <laughs> Let your kids have sugary cereals. It is the secret to their success long term. It's what we've learned today on the show. Right. <laughs> Kayla, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Uh, we could go for a lot, a lot longer, but we know you're very busy. So we really, really appreciate it. Thank you for giving so much of your time. Congrats on the transition. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Kayla. Thanks, guys. That was Kayla Anderson making the big switch in her career from television to radio. And there has been a theme, Steve, with all the the TV folk that we talk about. And again, I I can attest to this personally because I've done shows with many of them. They just have so much knowledge 
They're so talented. They have so much information because they cover every single sport. They're at every single event and they just don't get to use it on TV. It just doesn't, you don't get to sort of explore your creativity, um, your personality. It's just not. And with the way TV channels and stations are trimming and trimming and trimming and trimming on sports. Um, I did think it was interesting when she was talking about sort of um, some markets, not even having sports. I did think of, the beginning of ESPN in like the seventies where there were like a, a channel that's all sports all the time. That's never going to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now, and it, now it's so, now it's so powerful that now you just don't even need sports on your news channel anymore be, to be successful or, or maybe that's the reason it's not successful. I don't know. Well, and, and they are trimming and trimming and trimming on sports and adding more newscasts. The, channel four now has a 3 PM newscast. And they don't have staff to they don't have staff to fill this. It is it yeah. is literally, you know, national stuff and and other and, and other pieces that they're just kind of like putting together there to go after local ad dollars. I I I mean, you could do all of these newscasts and you can't give me more than like ninety seconds of sport. I do I do. Hold on, hold on. Landscape guy just broke my uh, glass door. So Steve Cavendish just disappeared for about two minutes in the middle of the pod. And uh, what happened, Steve? <laughs> Rock plus glass door oh, equals no. all kinds of glass in my office. Oh, no. Uh, it's beautiful so, weather, though, until let's see. I mean, let's, let's hope you can get it fixed before, uh, before Sunday. I hope I can get it fixed when, before tomorrow because it's going to suck tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, well, that was a fun. Uh, that was a, literally a, some drive-by shrapnel in the middle of a media <laughs> podcast. I like that. Um, all right, what were we talking about? Uh, uh, Kayla TV, and TV, TV channels. TV channels uh, not thinking sports is is important. I, so what I was going to say is I do think it's it's curious, and I find this with every single media. Com- you can almost have this conversation a- across everything that a lot of things that we complain about, right? Like clickbaity. Um, you know, what works on Instagram, what works on, on, in the internet, what works on Twitter, you, you know, thing, things that are like color coded spreadsheets get engagement, whereas really thoughtful, nuanced conversations about, you know, the, the Tennessee, and you're just never going to let the spreadsheets go. Or... No, 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 it's, it, well, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it is a very clear call out to like one specific person <laughs> who I know doesn't listen to the pot anyway. Um, who always texts me like, look at these rankings. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about these stupid color-coded spreadsheets. Stop spending me garbage content. I produce really, co- really good content. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's all the process that is like, what came first, chicken or egg, right? Like it, it is all the Ouroboros of like, whose fault is it? Is it the audience's fault for wanting really cheap, but, but engaging content? And in this case, it is it is an older demographic that watches news that just wants local news. They they already get sports every other place in their lives. So I, I it's and you've always said this, but if you don't give it to them, how do you know if they want it or not? So it's all right. this like cycle of what came first, like the, the 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 business strategy of changing the content versus what the audience reacts to and wants. And there's never really a clear answer as to which one came first. If that makes sense. No, that's I, I think that's I think that's absolutely true. And and when you combine that with the fact that you know local television and broadcast television in general is fighting streaming and kind of the 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 way the fracturedness of that audience, I don't think they know kind of like where you go and get a monetizable audience 
that you can then put, you know, put your sports content against, you know, they, they can do it in these half hour shows and Kayla talks it. Kayla talked about that. And, you know, the, the channel five guys have talked about that before, you know, layman layman talked about the, the, the Sunday show that they do and kind of the effort that they put into it. I, I think that's the, you know, they can sell against that. They're not selling against that yeah, for, yeah. for, for, you know, in the five and 6 PM newscasts. Uh, do you see the news? Um, Steve Lehman podcast coming out uh, for with the Belmont Brew and in conjunction with the Belmont Bruins, you got in Lehman's terms, I believe is the name of the pod coming out. Nice. So, so well, there you go. well, well done, sir. There, there's a recommendation for you guys. Um, all right, but let's which, get. Yeah, go ahead. But by go the ahead. way, it, it, you should you should go. Speaking of Lehman, you should go find the uh, you should go find <laughs> the the clip from the opening uh, opening game of the yes. Belmont season. Where he and Greg Sage lost their minds at a at a buzzer been buzzer beating shot to beat I Ohio. They, I thought they did a great job. This is not this is not CBS in the Final Four. Okay, have fun with it. Enjoy it. This you don't have to be super serial all the time on a broadcast like that. I thought it was great. I thought they did a great job conveying the emotion of the moment. I thought it was wonderful. A lot uh, of fun. I I, <laughs> I know you and I have both talked to Greg and he's like, man, I wish I would have done this better and done that. And done. I'm like, no, dude, he was great. It was awesome. Just, <laughs> just just enjoy how crazy the moment was. Um, and welcome to Missouri Valley basketball. <laughs> so, yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, quickly, here's some television numbers. And and there has been I, I've said this before on the show. I spent a lot of time at, on my morning show on 1025 struggling with like what was the focus of of the Nashville market kind of after the Titans, right? Like the Titans are number one. What do people care the most about? And it's almost always been, well, if Tennessee was great, it would be Tennessee volunteer football. But right now it's sort of like the big star soap opera in the SEC. So almost always that's Nick Saban, right? Let, let's call Nick Saban the, the, the biggest topic. Um, and Alabama being so good, there's a lot of uh, script days around town over the last 15 years, a lot more so than in the late 90s. And now you're seeing a lot more orange floating around Nashville, surprisingly. Um, but I think we kind of have an answer based on what people have been watching this year. Tennessee Titans, Kansas City Chiefs on a Sunday night in which you have a, an interesting storyline at quarterback with a, 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 Malik, a Malik Willis start. You have a lead going into the fourth quarter against the Kansas City Chiefs. They pulled a 23.1. That was the highest rated Titans game since week one against the Giants where they pulled a 23.4. They pulled a 21-4 against Houston, a 21-4 against Indianapolis, a 20.4 against Washington, an 18 against the Colts, a 22.3 against the Raiders, a 17.6 against Buffalo. That was an early, weird start time on a Monday night on a cable network. But Alabama and Tennessee pulled a 25.8, beat every single Titans game this year. And Tennessee, Georgia pulled a 24.1, which if you just listen to all those numbers I rattled off, it was the, the two highest rated sporting events watched in this market this fall have been Tennessee volunteer football games. I don't I th think that's I don't think that's that shocking. I mean, no, it's we, not. But, we, but it, we've been but talking it, we've been talking for like a year and a half now about like what is the what is the fully weaponized Tennessee fan base look like? That's it. I mean, the to me, the Georgia number is more interesting than the Alabama number because there's so Agreed. many Alabama fans in this market. Agreed. But I mean, and it was a blowout and it was a blowout. Yeah, the the Georgia number that I mean that's I mean that's all that's mostly Tennessee fans. Uh, you know that that Bama that Bama game there were a bunch of Bama fans in in that mix. 
that is mostly Tennessee fans and in a crappy game, but that shows you what like a one versus two or one versus three or yeah. one versus one or whatever stupid, you know, numbers your you know, rankings yeah, yeah. you're you're comparing to there, each other. There's also an element of Nashville being such a, a, a melting pot of SEC and college football fans in general that there's a chunk of that that's just going to watch because it's the biggest game of the day. Like right. I, like they're right. if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're going to watch. If you're an if you're a Arkansas fan, if you're an LSU fan now, especially you're going you're going to watch that. Um, I thought it was interesting also that um, when you look at the and we'll talk, I'll give you the the World Series numbers here in just a second. But I also thought the I thought the Alabama LSU number was very low. This is this is also speaks to your point about Bama Georgia versus Tennessee. The Bama LSU game, which I believe was on ESPN, but it was Herbie and Fowler, right? It was the big broadcast yeah. on ESPN. It pulled a nine point four. So it was a better football game, a more dramatic football game, and it featured Alabama, and it pulled a third of the number. So I think that that also is evidence that we are still very much, not even close, a Tennessee volunteer college football market. People have just not wanted to watch crappy teams <laughs> for, a <laughs> I long, think for a long time. That's absolutely true. And um the folks at CBS should the folks at CBS should should note. Good luck, uh, good luck trying to get those numbers with Penn State, Wisconsin next year. Uh, that's that's a generous uh, third tier game. <laughs> I think you need to. I think you need to be worried about Nebraska, Purdue. I think is yeah. what you're is what you mean to talk about there. Probably in that third tier window. Uh, all right, here's some World Series numbers. By the way, uh, as I mentioned, Titans, Chiefs, twenty three point one. The Rams and Bucks, which was god awful to watch. The NFL is so hard to watch this year. Thirteen point seven. Uh, Bills and Jets pulled an 8.5, almost the same as Alabama LSU, which is just insane to me. Um, how about these numbers, though? Four World Series games were on last week's rating book. Game five pulled a 5.6, and it was the eighth highest rated sport in of the week <laughs> last week. Game four was ninth place at a 4.8. Game three pulled a 4.7, 10th place. And game six, the clinching game, right? in the World Series was the 11th most watched sporting event of the week last week in the city of Nashville. I that that is I as a kid who grew up loving baseball man that is sort of sad to see honestly. Baseball is not our national pastime anymore. Football is. No, that's Whether it's yeah, and and here it may be college football. But um but but yeah, baseball is Baseball is not. I will not make a Nashville Stars joke right now at all. <laughs> I think you. I think you just did. Um, uh, of course, all this uh, information, courtesy of Mark Venda, News Channel Five. Each rating point equal to eleven thousand six hundred and eighty-five TV homes in the Nashville market right now. Top two sporting events: Tennessee Volunteers football has beaten Tennessee Titans football every. Those two games have beaten every Titans game. For the entire calendar year, so we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, if they get to a playoff game. I would, I would be fascinated to see what a Tennessee Volunteers playoff game does against a Tennessee Titans playoff game. I think that would be utterly fascinating. Absolutely. So, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I know you had some Bally Sports stuff you wanted to talk about. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, uh, so the best viewing option is always at Jasper's. Go to Jasper's, watch a <laughs> watch a Preds game. It's a great deal. You can get a, you can get a a, a burger and a beer it's just it's just the best deal in town but if like me you are 
trying to watch at home and you have cut the cord. We do not have cable. Do not have satellite. Uh, I've got a YouTube TV account. The, the, uh, the Gall household is we are in negotiations right now for this type yes. of decision. So, And so, so what do we do here? Well, I keep getting I keep getting hit with these ads online uh, for Bally Sports South, and you could do it a couple of different ways. You can either do the Bally Sports South feed, you could do the Bally Sports Southeast feed. Um, Bally Sports Southeast has Hawks, Grizzlies, uh, and some select ACC stuff. The Bally Sports South has uh, WNBA, uh, Preds, and select ACC stuff. Uh, or you can do you can do kind of a kind of a combo of those two feeds. It's nineteen ninety nine a month. I mean, that's more than I mean that that's more than other subscription services that I that I use on a regular basis. Uh, you know, it's more than Netflix. It's more than uh, Disney Plus, which I get a lot of use out of. Way more uh, than way more than Twitter, <laughs> which I spend zero on. Um, the I, I'm I'm interested to see how many people are paying for this, and the 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 pred start to the season cannot have helped sales on no, sales no, on no. this thing. I mean, and, and and let's be honest about the NBA. I was talking about this with my buddies. The NBA is not a sit down and watch the full games product. That's not what their goal is. Their goal is no. for you to consume six to ten clips of that game on various platforms across all devices. You know, you want to see Jaws three dunks and you want to see Jaron Jackson's block shot into a transition bucket or something like that. So at $25.99 a month, you get the Preds, the Grizzlies, the Hawks, and the Atlanta Hawks, and then a WNBA team, the Dream. That's what you get for $26 a month. I mean, if you're if you're an NBA fan... I mean, you can get league pass for ninety nine bucks a year. <laughs> so there's I, my Grizz. So there I can watch Jaw and my Knicks as well. Now I don't, I don't know, I don't know if the blackout. Uh, I, I think ah. the, I think the blackout applies to Grizzlies and Hawks here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the league pass site right Seriously? now. So it's three hours away. Come on. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if but if you're but if you're an NBA fan, uh, and not not a specific Grizzlies fan, you know you. The, the the value is the value is there. I I, I just don't. I, I would be interested. You know, somebody at us uh, on on Twitter and let us know if you're paying for the for the Bally Sports product to stream. I, is anybody doing it? Uh, if if you gave me Preds and Grizzlies for nine ninety nine each, or like thirteen ninety nine for the two of them, I might be interested. Yeah. I could, I could, because because that that cost change going from my provider to to YouTube TV, for example, I'm still net positive at that point. But twenty six dollars a month, that doesn't that that that's almost like okay. At that point, I might as well just keep my provider. Right. Uh, the the interesting thing is, uh, Apple and uh, MLS have a deal for the next ten years on to stream to stream the all MLS games, including local market games. And the preliminary reports on that were that it was going to be, I think nine ninety nine ninety nine a month, and you get the entire league. Uh, that's it's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, you can get your local people with with local with local broadcasters, and you can also get the rest of the league. 
I just, I just, and, ref- and ESPN is going to pick up some of those games, and I think FS1 might, and Telemundo, and whoever else. But that is a that, that is a radically different sort of yeah. price point. I just need Apple TV to have an app on the new TV I'm going to buy. That's all I need. <laughs> I've already got like all the other ones I need. That's the only one. I can't watch Severance in on my surround sound. You know what I mean? Um, and no, I'm not going to go buy the little stick. And it's my TV's too old for Apple Play. I get all those things. Don't don't at me. Uh, real quickly, I forgot to mention this by the way when we were talking ratings. But you just mentioned the MLS, the MLS Cup Championship. Of course, 1.5 million viewers on Fox, seven roughly 668, almost 700 thousand on Univision. It was the biggest combined total for an MLS Cup Championship match uh, since 1997 and the second highest in league history. I say all of that just to give perspective on the, the 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 growth of the product and why Apple spent all the money to to grab the league is that there is some there is some energy behind it and with the World Cup coming up which we're going to talk a lot about next week um then I think we've got I think there's that's a that's a a promising number it's not a big number but it's a promising number because again 1.5 million people watched Fox you know how many people watch Tennessee Georgia across the country tell me 13 million <laughs> Wow. Uh, yes, That's... the top the top two most watched football games, not just in Nashville, but across the entire country so far were Tennessee games. So, um, all right. I think that uh, unless you got unless you want to throw out something else here, Steve, I think that just about does it. Go to Jasper's, everybody, to watch your Preds. Uh, drink your sorrows away with $3 beers, $10 smash burger, free parking, game room. The whole deal's great. And if you want to cater a party at your house to watch something, Man, I'm telling you, dude, the family pack at Jasper's great for kids, great for a family. It worked out perfectly. Could not have had a better experience. So Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. Braden, where can people find you online? At Braden Gall on the Twitters, at 440 Sports. Check out the YouTube page as well. If you want college football content, we got a ton of stuff up there. 440 Sports, of course, on the YouTube page there. I think that's all the places, Steve. Sure. What about you? You're supposed to... Tell people. I, I, just, I need you to throw it to me. Oh, okay. What about you, Steve? Where can people find you on the Thanks, internet? Man. Thanks, man. I'm really glad you asked. Uh, they can find me uh, on Twitter at Scavendish or Instagram if you want to see uh, pictures of some dogs uh, at Scavendish uh, or go to nationalbanner.com. Give us your email and we will give you news. There you have it. Thanks to Kayla Anderson for hanging out with us. For Steve, I'm Braden. Thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, and nominate our show as the best podcast in the history of the world. This has been Lamestream Sports right here on the 440 Sports Network.